Thanks, Emma. It's great to see you. It's great to see everyone this morning on this wet spring day. It's lovely to be inside and cozy, so welcome um, to what is, yeah, as Emma said, the last time we'll be doing church this way in this format in these changing times. Um, so I am, as Emma said, um, concluding the series on people in prayer. And um, we've looked at some characters uh, over these last weeks um, who have lived through interesting and um, uncertain times. Um, and we've seen how they've responded to God in prayer and in um, learning and, and walking with him. And I've just loved, can I say, I've loved everything that people have done. I've loved all the um, the talks and just just a huge thanks to everyone who's put so much into each one. It's been really, really um really strengthening and encouraging. And um, so I'm going to conclude with um, a woman from the Old Testament who's actually one of my favorite Bible characters. And, um, you know, even as we look at this, we're reminded, um, you know, in terms of looking at um, this woman that goes through some difficult times, but that we too, um, we find ourselves also in moments of difficulty. So I think we can almost relate sometimes at the moment more so to some of the difficulties in in the scriptures than maybe other times because we're facing um, a time where we're, um, you know, in a moment where we get to reset um, in terms of moving into something new, where God would open up an opportunity for us to meet in home gatherings and uh, to find greater life with him and with each other in the various home gatherings. So, so yeah, we, we're um, we're standing on the cusp of, of change and a reset as a church, and um, in the midst of grappling with difficulties and things that aren't necessarily easy for us personally and as a community. But um, in terms of looking at this um, at, at this Bible character, um, <clears throat> we find her. Her name is Deborah, and she's in Judges chapter four. But first of all, before we turn there, you can turn there if you'd like, because I don't have any slides today. Uh, so you might want to have a wee look at the story um, while I kind of do a bit of review. Before we look at Deborah and um, the story of a conflict that she faces and has to work through, I'd like to sort of give us a bit of context around um, around that um, because um, it's quite an important thing to kind of uh, look look back, especially at a book like Judges, which is <laughs> pretty depressing, actually. So um, in terms of context, well, Judges really begins by looking back at the closing chapters of, of Joshua. And Joshua, and then it looks forward to the days of the kings. So we find it between these two times for Israel, post-Joshua and pre-kings. So at about 100, age 110, um, we see this in, um, in the closing chapters of Joshua, that Joshua at age 110, after countless victories under his belt, uh, he dies. Um, you know, and in a way, there'd been no better season. Uh, um, it'd been a better season um, as opposed to what Israel is about to walk into right now. And judges, you know, Joshua and his brother Caleb, um, they were, they were, they'd seen and experienced incredible things. Um, they had been, um, um, they'd been, they'd seen all God's, Yahweh's great works um, that he did for Israel. They'd gone through the Red Sea and they'd survived it. They were, they were. Um, they saw firsthand miracles and provision, and um, they themselves, as I say, had gone through the Red Sea and come into the Promised Land of Canaan. They were the only two of that generation to actually make it through. So they had some stories, and they'd seen some beautiful things that God had done for themselves. So Joshua, on the back of this, is reminding these people as they're going, as they're in Canaan, as they're going into Canaan, he's saying to them, you know, you know, he's saying, he's really saying, I want you guys to make it through. 
Um, I want you to know God. I want you to be able to, to go through um, and more than survive in this next chapter of what is the history of Israel or became the history of Israel. So he's saying to them, you know, um, just be, remember that um, military advances were, are from the Lord and that um, they had to be accompanied by walking close um, and, in a, and have a humble spiritual life, walking close to God and having a humble spiritual life. He's saying, this is key for you. This is key for you moving forward. That he was saying to them that there'll be no success if they don't meditate on his word and trust his promises. You know, I imagine, you know, he knew there were going to be dangers. He knew it was not going to be an easy time. So he's kind of exhorting and encouraging like we would with anybody who we, we knew were about to face um, a new season of difficulty. He was almost, you know, harking back to Deuteronomy 6, which talks about raising children and teaching children. You know, how will children know? How will the next generation know if you guys don't move forward, if you aren't able to, to um, remember who your God is, remember who God is and um, follow in his way? So he warns them in a few areas. Firstly, he talks to them about the practices and um, the people of Canaan, just um, the people who inhabited that space, knowing that this is the land that God um, is actually going to give give to them. And what we've got, what we see there in Canaan, is we see that um, that that where they are now living, it's a it's a place that's intermingled with. Um, other nations there was a mixture of um, believing and pagan people and it was a time when God's people daily faced um, the choice between looking to God as their Lord and also following or following the preferences of their age which sounds familiar you know we live in times um, where it's we've got to sort of grapple with, with the things that we're facing even in our own situations and culture um, they were themselves were to live in the land um, and um, where the surrounding nations would be able to see God's hope and Joshua's hope was that they would live in the land and the surrounding nations would see that they were a people who served their true, a true God, the true God, and, and that God would be glorified and honored through, the, through their lives. And um, so, you know, in making wise decisions, I think it's, it's, it's probably at the forefront of our hearts too, living in, in the world and in the society and and in the communities that we live in, we too want to discern how to live out kingdom values. Um, what does it look like to live out and hold kingdom values in the cultures of our whenua and in our societies and um, the place in, in our world at large? So, you know, these we can we can gain and pick up pick up things from these um, encouragements from uh, from Joshua as we go as we go through them today. Carl Bath said, you know, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both but interpret the newspapers from your Bible. In other words, we're invited first of all to think, what would God want to say about this? You know, what am I invited to do in the context of what I'm facing um, where I live? So we're invited to be primarily shaped by God's word and be led by his spirit. So secondly, he says to them, you know, God, you know, give God your devotion. Um, let, let people see your obedience, your um, devotion by the acts that you do. Though, by, by the way you act and live, Others will see that you have an allegiance. You have a devotion to God. He said to them in um, chapter 23, verse 8, you're to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done till now. But we know that, you know, the book of Judges, it's a sad story as is, um, and, and they reneged on their promises on repeat, neither holy, neither, neither holy rejecting nor embracing the ways of God. So we see this kind of like halfway discipleship. 
um, and compromise that is depicted in the book of Judges. I'm sorry it's sounding so bleak. It does get a bit better in a moment. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so that's, but it's an unstable compound in terms of making choices. They had divided loyalties. And um, we know for ourselves that um, when we are double-minded, it makes wise decision-making really, really hard. It's hard to make a good decision when we're double-minded about stuff. You know, I find for myself, you know, when I get into that place of feeling like that, I, I feel like the, when I'm wrestling with things and I'm stuck or I'm unsure, um, I find that choosing to surrender, maybe even relinquishing the very thing that I'm grasping for just before the Lord and then recommitting myself to him and going, um, hey, you know, um, here it is, Lord. I'm just going to lay that down, even though I know what I want the outcomes to be. Uh, relinquishing that um, frees me to experience his, his peace and then his presence again. So, you know, being double-minded is a very hard place to make a decision from, as these people were discovering. So thirdly, Joshua tells them, he says, don't get tangled up um, with things that could trap you. In other words, steer clear of idols. You know, idols is kind of a slightly irrelevant word for us today. But um, I'd say that, you know, the word we could replace it with is, is addictions. You know, we've all got, there's things in our lives that we just, we hold dear or we love. But I um, mean, addictions is almost a modern day word for, for kind of like idols. But steer clear of things that could potentially destroy you, he's saying. And, and that would get in the way of this allegiance to God that, um, that he's encouraging them to choose. You know, the Lord is jealous um, for, the, for their hearts, affections of Israel. He wants their hearts as he wants ours. You know, Keller says, Tim Keller, that idols or good thing are good things that have the danger of becoming the ultimate thing. What are the things that compete for our affection, the affection of our hearts? Maybe, you know, sometimes it could be security, approval, career, achievement, reputation. These are not bad things in themselves, but what are the things that are competing for the affections of our heart? Um, what are the things that if we lose, we think life won't make any sense anymore? So God wants to be first in these areas as, as Joshua is encouraging these things, these, these people <clears throat> to consider. But on the back of all that, it's a half-hearted um, ebb and flow of discipleship that continues um, as the various judges rule over Israel. So we get into Judges 4, which is where I, I want to stay today um, for this time. And um, Judges 4 um, tells us that there's been 20 horrible years of oppression and cruelty from the latest regime. I won't go into the details, but they've constructed some really nasty torture methods to deal with, you know, to create absolutely horrible um, pain and misery, actually. So in this place, here they find themselves for 20 years in this place in Judges 4, the people. And um, so they, it says, the Bible says they cry out to the Lord. They cry out to him. <clears throat> and in spite of, you know, God is so good in spite of, you know, um, shortcomings and, and turning away from him, he, he turns with mercy. And he gives them a judge and her name is Deborah, a new judge. Um, <clears throat> Um, and we'll see that it's, 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 um, in terms of Deborah, you know, she's, 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 she's one of the bright stars in the story. And, um, and so who is she? Who is Deborah? Um, I'm not sure if you've, if you've read the story very frequently or considered her, but let's just have a look at her for a moment. We see in Deborah, she's a, she's very different from all the other judges. She's led from, she leads from wisdom and from character She's a godly leader. Um, she, she's a godly leader rather than a military one. And in, as I say, if you read it um, later, or even as you follow along now, we see that um, in the first few verses, how um, Judges describes her. Um, she is a prophetess. Um, she's a discerning person. She's a preacher and she's a teacher of the word of God. 
Um, she's the only woman judge who gets to lead Israel as well. She held court, um, <clears throat> this chapter tells us. And this isn't a queen's court, rather it's an actual courtroom. It actually says that she held court under a palm tree, which sounds quite lovely. Um, but there she is um, holding court. And um, so it's, but it is, it's an actual courtroom where the Israelites would come and have their disputes settled. So this was more of a sort of civil action. Um, people would come in their droves um, and they came to sort of settle all sorts of social, legal and relational cases. So she, um, you know, this is a person um, who is um, holding um, not so much a military, military power, but um, wisdom, counsel, and um, this is her approach to leadership. And this is what she brings to her role. You know, I don't know why I read this, but I think it's true. You know, um, a person who has allowed God to not just do a work through them, but um, a work in them, um, you know, is one who is has a character that, that, that speaks and, and speaks volumes of that reality. And we see that in her life, that she, this is a woman who probably had a lot of God do a work in her as well as a work through her. And um, in terms of her character, I think we can see that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about her character in a moment. You just don't wake up one morning and be able to do and say the things that she did and said, and it, which reminds us that our life is a journey. You know, God is just, he's, he's working in us as he's working through us. And sometimes it can feel like we're going what, five steps forward and four back, but that's okay because God's at work in us and he's, and he's shaping and forming us and developing our character to do the works and the things he's called us to do. So we see that Deborah, um, you know, she must have been um, quite optimistic. I heard just recently when, um, when there, there was some, um, a news item uh, around related to the U.S. Um, judge, um, Senate judge, C, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who sadly passed away. They said of her that she was a belligerent optimist. Um, and I thought to myself when I heard that, I imagine Deborah would have had to have been a belligerent, op belligerent optimist at times like this, facing the situation she was in and um, knowing she was trying to lead a people um, who were half-hearted even in their own following of God a belligerent optimist. So Deborah faces a conflict, apart from, as I say, the, pe the problem of people's hearts and their non-responsive allegiance to the Lord. Um, in this conflict, there's a war to win. Um, we see in Judges 4 that there's um, the military um, captain of the current oppressor, um, his name is Sisera, um, is terrorizing Israel. And, um, you know, so she, she is aware of this and um, we see that the people trust her. They come to her, she listens to them, she gives them wise advice, she gives them wise counsel, a bit like Solomon. So we see she's trusted and she's respected as well. And we see later that she, she calls um, the military leader of her army, um, Barak, to come. And she's saying, okay, it's time to, to, to you know, she's saying, I feel like God has said to me, um, it's time to go. It's time to deal with this situation that's happening among us. And we, we see his confidence in her leadership. He doesn't say, no, I'm not going. I don't trust what you're saying is right. Um, so she's trusted and respected, not just amongst the people, but with, um, with, in the military, with the leaders. We see that in terms of her character, that she's strategic. Um, she explains the plan that she feels, um, she kind of prophesies it to him. You know, this is what I'm saying, says the Lord. I'm going to do, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and I'm going to do this. So it's a fascinating read. Um, 
we are, but then he turns to her and he says, well, that's all very well and good, you know, even though it might be um, the word of the Lord, I'm not actually going to go unless you come with me, which is a little bit sort of, um, I don't know how you'd feel in terms of just here you are with this, you've got your job and he's got his in terms of being a team and he's abdicating in a way. Now, the commentaries kind of have more than one opinion as to why. It's not necessarily a bad reason, but nevertheless, she finds herself in a position of, of, of having to go to war where she's not primarily a military leader in her role as a judge. So she, um, she's brave and she's courageous and she says, yep. Okay. Um, I'll go. And we see that she's not just prepared to send people, but she's prepared to go herself. So she's a real servant leader. She's prepared to roll up her sleeves and get involved in the very things that, um, that, um, that, that, that her leader, that her military leader is going to do. She's putting her life on the line. And we see, we've already seen that she's prophetic and discerning. Um, and she tells him, she's like, well, we're going to win this, even ahead of time. She says, we're going to win this, but you won't get to take Cicero yourself. You, you'll get to sort of um, to be there for the battle, but the actual person, Cicero, you won't actually be the one that brings him in. Someone else will do that. And she was simply telling him the truth. It wasn't a reflection on his on anything in terms of his ability to fight or, or whatnot, but she's just saying someone else will win this um, battle. She, she also um, is obedient. Um, we see that she acts on her beliefs. You know, when he, you know, you, you kind of wonder if she was be tempted to pull back. She believes they're going to win the battle and she, and he's the leader, but given the opportunity to, um, um, to go with him, she, you know, She's courageous and she uses she she steps into something that's bigger than her. She she uses her faith and says, This is bigger than me and I'm gonna do it. And we need that. We we need to have, you know, when we, we're reaching out with faith for something, it, faith is bigger than us. It can't be something that's achievable within our own might or power. You know, God's saying, Will you trust me for something bigger than yourself? In this situation we see she's doing that. And she goes with him. So she's confident in her faith in God, um, and she acts on her beliefs and goes with him. Um, she and we and, and we know that it, it takes place later in, in, in Judges 4, 4 15. Um, they win, and, and the verse says, You know, the Lord Himself throws Sisera and the army and the chariots into confusion. Uh, so He does go ahead of them, and um, and we see um, that you know, the whole of Judges 4 is the story, but then the whole of Judges 5 is like the song, it's this, it's the same story repeated. When you read Judges 5, it's it's literally, it's like a wyatt, it's a song, it's a beautiful song, it's the prayer, It's this is the prayer really of Deborah, um, this is the prayer of this person um, uh, um, that we're that we're looking at today, the prayer that she that she prays, but it's, but it's put into a song that's like poetry, and um, it's just a song of victory, and it's it's beautiful, and they sing it together. Uh, so they sing it together because it's a victory, uh, and um, they're saying the Lord did it. So we see that Deborah, in the midst of a really dark time and a really terrible um, part of Israel's history, she's like a bright, bright light in a really dark, in a dark day. Um, and we know, and as we we know that um, from history, that they had forty years of peace after this victory. They had forty years of calm and peace which I think um, is a beautiful, must have been just an incredible season for them. And, and it came from, from, you know, kind of having, having someone who, who was willing to, um, to, to trust God, to listen to God and then, and lead a people. And even though they had to wait, um, 
they experienced some peace in the middle of this 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 time. So I suppose I guess um, in conclusion, I want to look at just what what is the counsel that we can take for this um, as we conclude today. What counsel can we take? You now Keller asked rhetorically, you know, why is the Book of Judges even in the Bible? <laughs> He's like. Um, it's not an inspirational story. And I'm so conscious of that, even as I'm sharing it today, I'm quite an optimistic sort of um, enthusiastic kind of person, but I mean, but there's, you know, life just isn't all a bit of roses and we know that. And, and so looking at the hard stuff is really important for us in the scriptures and in our own lives. Um, but he says, you know, the Bible is not about following moral examples. And we know that too. It's about a God of mercy and long suffering who continually works in and through us despite our constant resistance to our purposes. <laughs> um, which, you know, constant is a bit, is a bit extreme. Uh, and I think we constantly resist God's purposes. But, you know, our ebbs and flows, uh, the, the, way, the way it is for us. You know, I just think it's like, yeah, we're human beings and we're on a journey and we don't always get it right, but we're invited just to keep going. And, and I think another thing we can take from this council is that God is in charge no, mo no matter what it looks like. God is in charge. You know, often, as we see in Judges, it can feel like he's absent from the scene. We may not feel his presence, but he's with us. And um, he's, he never leaves us. And you know what? And he's working things out. He's working things out through us. His purposes aren't going to be thwarted, regardless of appearances. And I find that really encouraging, and I take courage from that. And I hope that we can too as a church today especially as we're stepping into something new and fresh, which is going to have um, a different kind of momentum and encouragement for us. I, I feel really excited about that. And, you know, he offers grace to us all, even before we seek it. He knew he was going to send a Deborah, even though they were crying all those years. And, um, and he, we know that he, we, we, we have received a savior. Uh, we are on this side of the cross and the resurrection and we have a savior. We have um, the true saviour, to which all human saviours, small s's, um, um, point through their flaws and their strengths. You know, we, we can't look to one person to save us. We look to Jesus, and he's, he's the redeemer. But we just we can stand in that today, knowing that, yeah, um, that um, he's in charge, and he offers grace before we seek it, and that we have a saviour, and we can trust him. And also we can take from us, I think, um, that, that we have a need as well in our own hearts um, for continual spiritual renewal in our lives. And I've just been really conscious of that myself just in the, these lockdown days. I felt like I've slowed right down in some areas and it's, it's kind of allowed me just to go, yeah, Lord, I just need more of you in my life. You know, um, it's like having sort of um, things removed from my life that are easy to go to that bring me joy have been taken away. They're not bad things, they're good things. And they haven't been taken away for wrong reasons, but there's been that, you know, for all of us, a sense of confinement and a sense of maybe restraint. And it's enabled me to look more and go, okay, Lord, you know, you, you want more of the affections of my heart. You know, you want me to lean more into you in some of these spaces. And I found that to be a rich, a, a bit of the richness of my lockdown experience um, and, and sort of in that kind of like heart space. But we do, we need this renewal of our lives where we, um, we, um, we, we, we have good days and we have bad days. We have days where we feel disconnected or overwhelmed and we have um, days where we just feel you know, we, we just um, follow hope and faith and it's all right to be honest about what's happening um, and, and, and to press into him and obviously to others as well. But he's saying, you know, give me your hearts and, and, um, and um, let's just, first of all, lean into him. And I, I guess I want to kind of just um, close with 
with a verse that's just been sitting with me the whole time. I was just pondering these verses and considering this message today. And it's in Isaiah 50, uh, 30 verse 15. And it says, you know, and I just like to read this to us. And I, I wonder whether there's some things for us to take um, away. And I don't almost, I almost don't want to necessarily unpack it now. And, and that we, you know, let's now just have a ministry time with this. Um, as much as I'd love us to take this, you know, um, even as, as Joshua was saying to, to, to the people of Israel, you know, meditate on God's word, know your God through his word, you know, know him and remember, you know, his faithfulness. I, I feel like in this time, he's encouraging us to kind of know him through his word and to hold on to him, um, even just to read the Bible and allow it to read us. Maybe not tons and tons of it every day, but just to check in with him every day and just go, what are you saying through your word to me? And I'd love us to take this one away um, and, and do that with this verse, maybe today or during the week. And it's Isaiah thirty fifteen, and it says, In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Let me read it again. In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And yeah, I'd love us to take that away even as we begin to prepare to have communion in a moment, Lord's going to lead us. And just meditate on that and let that speak to us. There may be a part of it that speaks to us more than another. But I, I really think it's a word to take away and, and find encouragement in. Um, what part of us needs to return to the Lord today? What part of our hearts needs to kind of come home? What part of us needs to find rest um, in returning to him? There's an invitation to rest, to know that safety and security. And, um, yeah, so I just, I just want to kind of leave that with us. Um, just knowing that, you know, he invites us to kind of, he wants us to know his, that we can have our confidence in him and that we can have a, a dependence on him in these times. Um, that might even surprise us. It's like an opportunity to even experience him and lean on him, you know, in some really, in some beautiful ways. So, so I just want to leave that with you and, um, yeah, and just, um, and just say how, how lovely it is just to be together. And, um, I trust that even now the Holy Spirit is just, just ministering to you and, um, just let him do that even as Lord comes. Just let us look even now at Godward as he um as we just move towards remembering what Jesus has done for us through the cross. Come, Holy Spirit.